Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. And it is the 11th of December, 2013, and this is episode 140. I'm your host tonight, Donna Swafford, and with me is Greg Perrine. Yay, it's me! Unfortunately, our co-host Gary is... He's testifying. He's... Yes, testifying! <laughs> he is testifying to his knowledge of engineering. Sure, yes. So... Testify, Gary, testify. <laughs> so we wish him luck in finals, and he will be back next week. Yes. So, um, so do you have any news for us, Greg? We know with the whole holidays coming up, we know a lot of people's schedules are kind of messed up, but we will be producing episodes regularly every week for the next few weeks through the rest of the year. So don't worry. Check your iTunes or feed burner feeds on Fridays-ish, and we'll get episodes out every week. Yes, because the Skeptic Wire doesn't take a break for Christmas. No, not so much. (laughs) Sometimes it drives us a little mad, but we do it anyway. And we're not doing a double episode this year to take Christmas off, so we should actually have some coherent and cogent conversations. What what show have you been listening to these Uh, last few years, Donna? (laughs) Obviously not this one. (laughs) So, Greg... What have you been up to? Um, not a lot. I mean, usually it's just kind of work and walking the dog and stuff like that. Um, I had a fun little thing happen this week at work in that um, one of my cubicle mates is starting to get a kind of a cold. Oh. So, that's... you know, the little tickly in the back of the throat, you could tell she was coughing every once in a while. So one day she came back from lunch and showed one of her other cubicle mates of, look, I have the chewable vitamin C and I got the cold ease tablets that are going to help me. And I kind of gave her a look, but she's, she's, she's new to our team. So she's not used to Mr. Skeptic quite as much. I didn't say much about the vitamin C because yeah, vitamin C, it's expensive urine. Yeah, but (sighs) it's not bad it's not bad and you do just as well drinking a glass or two of orange juice yes but it's not going to hurt you yeah you can't really overdose on vitamin c really unless there are additives in there that maybe add up or something like that but i said well be careful with the coldies and she said what and i said well it's specifically made because it's supposed to be good for you because it's got zinc in it which As far as I know, I may be incorrect, but it seems like zinc has been proven to have some positive association with helping you through a cold. Yeah, I I read that somewhere, but... (laughs) It may still be the, if you don't take anything, you get better in a week, but if you do take something, you get better in seven days. Yeah. (laughs) It may be still that kind of thing, but... It, it it seems to, I, from what I understand, it's got some positive benefit to it. But I said, well, you got to be careful. Because it's been shown that people who have been exposed to too much zinc have had problems like they've lost all sense of smell. 
sometimes yeah, permanently. Yeah, because that's the one that the the nose one that came up. Yeah, and that's that's what the other coworker said. Well, oh, it was just the things that you stick up your nose, or it's a spray, or something like that. And it's like, well, that's because the delivery is more direct to the nose that doesn't have the same like defense and dissolving things that your stomach would. Yeah, and like this all is those a, acids. And this is a lozenge that she was taking. Okay. So, I mean, it's not like she's taking a pill or sticking something up her nose, but this gave me an opportunity to discuss, you know, rationally, like, oh, yeah, well, just as long as you follow the directions on the box. And she says that, oh, yeah, it's got a maximum no more than, like, six in a day or something like that. Yeah, that should be fine. Don't worry about that. As long as you're not, like, overdosing on it. And and also got me an opportunity to say, well, you know... um. This also got me an opportunity to talk about homeopathy, because awesome. the other coworker was saying, you know, oh, you know, well, there's the 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 all natural homeopathic stuff. Wait a minute, minute. I said, <laughs> let's just discuss this. So, so I said, you know, homeopathy in and of itself is nothing. It's either water or sugar pills. But if it has, but sometimes it's been adulterated with other stuff. Either sometimes they're cold stuff has zinc in it, so it is possible to overdose if you take way too much of that because we're stupid people and we think more means better. Yeah. But there are things like erectile dysfunction versions of homeopathy that actually have Viagra in them. Yeah. So they're not actually homeopathy. And then I was able to explain, well, homeopathy is means that well, homeopathy is the two tenets of like cures like. So if you have a headache, you take something that gives you a headache but also the mass dilution process that is homeopathy that all our listeners know about. But I was like, well, if you think of what's on the side of the box is 10C, imagine you have one liter of water, you drop a, a one drop of the substance in there, and then you take you mix that up and you take one drop of that and put it in another liter and so on and so on and so on until you're diluted to nothing. And I, I was able to get into the, the, the Tim Minchin joke of just imagine all the poop it's had in it and yeah. somehow the water forgets all that. So it was like, oh, I, and, and the guy was like, I hadn't heard of that. I didn't know much about a homeopathy. And I was able to say, and of course, people of homeopathy say that it works better, this whole dilution process, if you whack the side of the container with a leather-bound book, preferably a Bible, because that makes it work better. So I was able to spread a little kind of... Science and skepticism yeah. into work life. And it didn't really feel quite evangelical, because it was just kind of a, hey, did you know this? And I wasn't telling the women, no, don't bother with that. You'll get, you'll be fine already. Just drink plenty of liquids and, and just rest and have good food. You know, have some oranges and an apple. That's just as good for you, that sort of thing. But, yeah. um, but it was it was a good opportunity to, kind of help other people out and let them know about these weird things that people think up and snake oil and kind of, I'd let them run with calling it snake oil and that sort of thing. It was, it was pretty fun. Awesome. Well, I actually had a really great night last night. Really? Um, last night was the award ceremony for the San Antonio Film Commission's Film Experience, which is another 48-hour film project that I participate in. Okay. We just had our screening on Thursday. I have a quick question, though. Sure. It seems like these 48-hour film festival things seem to happen every couple months here in San Antonio. In San Antonio, we have one that happens at the end of summer, and then we the Film Commission actually puts one on. And the reason that they put one on is when San Antonio started applying to get the national project, uh -huh. they said, 
oh no, there's nobody in San Antonio who's going to be interested. So the film commission said, look, we'll put one on just to show you that we've got people who want to do this. So they did it. And it's kind of become just an annual thing for the film commission. They tie it in with their holiday party every year. And so it's, it's just because those two are so close to each other that my brain fills in all the rest and says, it happens all the goddamn time. And Donna's yes. always talking about doing these things and she never wins. And I never won until last night. Yay! Yes! Um, our movie Soul actually took Best Film, Best Actor, and Audience Award. Very cool. So out of four awards, we took three. The reason we didn't win Best Actress is our actress was in it for like two scenes and she had no words and it was flashback (laughs) (laughs) and she was i uh, i hate to say this she was set dressing a pretty face yes to move the pot because our our story was the last man on earth okay that that makes sense you're not going to have a good gender balance if right and so she she was his wife and he is trying to remember it's been 20 years he is starting to forget her. Right. So. Okay. Um, so a comedy. <laughs> but um, um, but um, the funny part is, is like I said, I've competed for years. I'm, I'm the Susan Lucci of San Antonio film. <laughs> you know, I always get really close to winning, but never quite winning. And so last night when they, they gave us our awards and everything else, you know, and they gave us, oh my God, this thing is the ugliest award ever. It is... A giant ceramic tube with Christmas bells on it and an old, I don't even know what type of camera it is. It's a handheld video camera from, I think, the early 80s. So maybe a Super 8, maybe a, well, it can't be a VHS because those would be too big. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's this, it's ugly award. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, you know, I did the proper thing, you know, got up there and they were like, you know, you know, how do you feel? And I was like, you know, I couldn't have done this without my team, blah, 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 blah. All of this jazz had to stand there take all the pictures. And then. Uh, so your name was was read and it sounds like you were calm the whole evening, yeah. despite not having won all these years. Right. In a row. And, you know, because I, I at this point, I've kind of gotten to the point of going. I'm not going to win. <laughs> you know? So you were just in shock. Yes. So we left and teacher Mike and I got in the car and he looks at me and he goes, are you okay? And I was like, I did, I did, I did, I won. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he's all like, are you okay? And I'm all like, I did it. I finally won. No bastard. <laughs> and he's all like, Okay. So you were able to be very diplomatic. Yes, when I was very to. diplomatic. And I honestly, I couldn't have done this without my team. Um, I had a very talented group of people to work with, people that I consider not only coworkers, but friends. And so it was really great. But like I said, I got in that car. Man, I just lost it. <laughs> well, you, when you get recognized like that, you just got to kind of drink it in and have that happy moment. And- right. And then... Other thing that I found out is my boss was at the party and I had a meeting with him this afternoon before I had an, an, another meeting to go to. And he was all like, I didn't want to say this last night, but damn, 
you've got boobs. Quit hiding them. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. He goes, I don't know what you were wearing. And I said, I went to Victoria's Secret. I got a bra that made them stand up and go, huzzah. And he goes, no shit. <laughs> okay. And, and like people were like totally amazed. They were like, I had several people come up to me and go, where are the jeans and the black t-shirt? <laughs> and I'm all like, it's a holiday party. It's an award event. I'm going to fucking get dressed up, people. Really. I, is, is that hard to comprehend? It, it's really not outside the realm of possibility that all of us, no matter what we may be comfortable with or what we may look like, there's always going to be some way all of us can basically clean up pretty good yeah. and look good in some way. It's just... There was, there was always that way where we're, we're, we choose clothes that are like, oh, well, I shouldn't have chosen that. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, it's like one of those things that I you know, I think it would – okay, maybe this is the hipster in me or something. But it was like, oh, I think it would be cool if I wore something with suspenders. That would be a little different. Not everybody no. wears it that way. I tried it on at the, at the department store a couple of years ago. I was like, no, nope, not going to work with my big fat belly. Not going to happen. Well, yeah, and like so, I even had makeup yeah, on yeah, you and, made that and my hair to say, done. This and is people, how I'm going to do people this. People were like, where did you go to get your makeup done? I was like, Jesus, people, I can't actually do makeup. <laughs> okay. They were all like, it looks really good. And I'm all like, fuck you all. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's always that way that people always say like, oh, I just I, – I, guys will often say something like, Oh, I just want a woman who doesn't have to wear makeup. But usually the women they go after are wearing makeup. It's yeah. just subtle. And they don't realize how much time women take to do that. Take to get that effort. I, I will yeah. tell you this. It took me three and a half hours. And this is not counting going to the store to get a new outfit, which is <laughs> one of the funniest stories. As I literally walked into the store and I said, I need help. I have an award event coming up. On Tuesday night, and they were all like, code 11, code 11, we have a code 11, bring out the gay guys, bring out the... <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, that's not what they right. did, but that's how it felt. Because <laughs> they did, they literally outfitted me from my earrings down to my shoes. Hmm. Cool. Because I was like, I, I don't do this. <laughs> Help. So it was really nice. Well, congratulations. And yeah. as soon as the video is available online, we'll mention it again and post it on our Facebook page and also as part of the blog is whatever episode we uh, mention it on. Awesome. And, and you know, get you out there and people can see the filmy stuff that you do because, okay, not up until recently, mostly it's, a lot of the times it's been Gary and I putting our songs on the show or something like that. But it's good to be proud of the award-winning, finally, creative work that you are able to do, Donna. Thank you. I never get an award for my creative work. <laughs> awkward silence. Well. So I'm going to fill that awkward silence with talking about something from last week. Well, the week before last week. Um, the week that you were gone. Yes. Black Friday. I know it's been a, a, a couple weeks since that, but there was an interesting Black Friday sale that went out. A couple weeks ago, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of mention it because it was an interesting kind of psychology to it. Okay. Um, Donna, do you know what the words amputees, spontaneous human combustion, doing it in the butt, and a bigger blacker dick have in common? Uh, cards Against Humanity. Yes, very very good. I almost said a typical Saturday night. But... 
Well, if you have a board game group and you play it every Saturday night, maybe you could say that. I actually, I have to say this. I love Cards Against Humanity. I just started playing it um, with some coworkers, and I, I have found that there are certain cards that are just instant winners. They're trump cards, yes. Yeah. And there are certain cards that I I love. Mm-hmm. And God, I hate to say this. One of my favorite cards is the Taint, the Grundle, the Fleshy Fun Bridge. Yes. I don't know why. <laughs> that one always seems to win when I play it. I'm going to phrase this very carefully. I really mean it just in the most innocent way. That card tickles you a bit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, the Cards Against Humanity group said, well, we always sell our product for the same price. We don't ever do sales. The main set is always 25 The the expansion sets are always ten bucks each. Yeah, and it's a pretty simple business model of we're not you know we're not going to play with the consumer. We're just going to sell our thing because people like it. Well, they decided they wanted to kind of do something for Big Black Friday, so eventually the creator of Cards Against Humanity, uh, Max Temkin, was able to convince his entire team that what they should do is that their Black Friday deal was that um, the main set, instead of costing $25, cost $5 more on Black Friday. Oh, that's hilarious! So, today only, Cards Against Humanity are $5 more. It was $25, now it's $30. And the button to get it, they replaced the buy, and now it just says, Consume! And they found that, um, granted, they found that mostly this was the day after, but they found they had a spike in sales. How? Because they they have this neat little graph of their sales last year, throughout the year, and this year, where they'll things like, well, they'll show the, the expansion pack led to a big spike in sales, but last year, Black Friday, there was a spike in sales. This year, they had the same spike in sales, despite pretty publicly raising the price $5. But the day after, instead of their sales going back down again, it went up. So it seems like there was just a lot of exposure on places like Reddit and uh, Twitter, Tumblr, and all of that about basically this fun little marketing gimmick. And the day after when sales, when the price went back to normal, a bunch of people bought it because they heard about the product. So it's, it's, it's interesting that... Plenty of people still bought it for the $5 or more price, so they were able to do this essentially free marketing campaign by doing a gimmick and make more money off of it as opposed to selling discounted money and have to make it up with numbers. So I, I just I thought that was really funny, and it kind of played a little on psychology of it's something that sticks out to you, and part of me originally thought that people just didn't understand that just because there was a slash through the previous price and this is the new price, that didn't necessarily mean it was actually discounted. So part of me wonders how many people were fooled by this and didn't realize that they weren't buying it on sale just because there was the big red line through the first price. Interesting. So that was fun. Yeah. So speaking of gifts, do we have a birthday? (laughs) Yes, we have a birthday. um, But um, gifts will not do this person any good because um, he died in the early 20th century. Okay. Born December 11th, 1843. Nope. Okay. Well, originally I was I, I was deciding between this person and another person. The other person was uh, Max Born, 
a, a mathematician and physicist. He won the 1954 Nobel Prize for his work in quantum mechanics. But I don't understand quantum mechanics, so I self-edited and said, no, I'll do this other Nobel Prize winner who won the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine in 1905. Hmm. Nope. Okay. He worked a lot researching tuberculosis, cholera, and anthrax. No. Okay. He has a postulate named after him, or postulates. Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, he is not. I don't know, but I don't think he's related to the uh, conservative financiers in the United States, nor the soft drink company. Coke. Okay, that was the guess based on the clue. <laughs> but do yeah. you know the person? <laughs> nope. Got All right. no idea. So you were saying, Donna, that this is one you actually don't know. I don't actually know this one. Or I'm just not giving good enough clues. No, you're giving good clues. I just... I would probably say that, no offense to Gary, but he probably wouldn't have gotten it either. Yay! (laughs) I think. So don't feel bad. Robert Koch. Okay. And it's spelled K-O-C-H. Could it be Koch? Like, as in the former mayor? I I think... I, I looked up the pronunciation on this one. I wanted to make sure that I didn't spend the entire first half of the podcast saying, Robert Cock! Um, so, uh, as far as I can tell, people said, well, just pronounce it Coke. Okay. But you can, you know, Koch, or something like that, or some... Koch! <laughs> Koch. Um, some weird pronouncing if you want to do it that way, but I'm just going to stick with Coke, because it's easier for me to say. Okay. But he worked a lot with the early kind of foundations of bacteriology and its... The idea that viruses and bacteria were the causative agents of diseases. So we worked a lot, um, especially in the beginning with anthrax, and it was able to isolate the actual causative agent, the, um, what is it? Bacillus anthracis. And so, you know, was able to find, okay, this is what is causing anthrax problems. Same thing with cholera, and eventually tuberculosis, which the tuberculosis is what specifically got him the Nobel Prize in 1905. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's just great about saying, no, no, it's not spontaneous combustion or, um, or tuberculosis is not hereditary. It's not because you're a bad person or anything like that. It's actually an infected disease that there's something that is causing it from outside. And the postulates I mentioned were Basically, a way of saying, this is how you can prove that something is actually infecting somebody. It's a little wordy, but step one is that the organism that you say is the cause must be present in every case of the disease. Okay. So if someone has the symptoms of a disease and you're saying they have cholera... You should be able to pull pull blood and see the cholera strain Mm -hmm. thingy in their blood and every person that's infected should have that. Right. You know, if you've got the cholera blood, cholera blood on one hand and you got like dengue fever blood in the other hand, you can't say dengue fever is cholera. Right. Well, it's, it's mainly saying that if, if they have the symptoms for the disease and you don't find it, then, then they don't have that. that No, then that's not the cause. Okay. So in 100% of the cases, 
if they have the disease and they have the thing, the the little bacterium, then that that is step one. Step two is that you isolate that little bacterium, whatever, and you're able to basically isolate it in a pure culture. Step three is you take samples of this culture and introduce it to a healthy animal or, or, or substitute for a human and find that they are able to get the same disease. And then again, step four is you're able to re-isolate the bacterium again or virus or whatever. So it's a way of systematically, scientifically proving that in every case where the disease is, it's this bacterium is there and I'm able to take it out and put this one variable in another organism and give them the same disease. Okay. Because if you find uh, vitamin C deficiency in all people who have condition X or whatever, cholera or something, and that was caused by something that was eating vitamin C before it got to the body or something. And you're able to take that out and culture it and put it in another um, subject and they don't get cholera, despite having been introduced to that, then that means that's at step three, it fails that you gave this bacterium to somebody else and they didn't get the disease. So yeah. it must be some other factor. Either it is hereditary or it's some other disease or some other cause of factor. So it was a really great way to really finally say that, no, we can research this scientifically and we can step-by-step prove that it's not hocus pocus. So that's why Robert Koch is deserving of a Nobel prize and is a good example for history of skepticism for today. Awesome. Yay. Well, there's, been some how can we put this trouble uh, trouble in oklahoma i don't think that they were quite planning on the response that they got and this to was... a new bill in oklahoma oklahoma recently passed a religious freedom law i i guess right. is how you would put it where um to in order to how can i put this uh, make an end run around the Constitution. Because <laughs> they wanted to put up Ten Commandments on on the po- state government capital pro- ground right, or the something capital like grounds. that. Well, rule is, is that if you put one group, one religious group's symbols up, you got to put other groups up. You got to put a Star of David up. You got to be fair. You got to be fair. I don't think they were quite planning to see who might actually petition to put some symbology up. Because you think Oklahoma, okay, they put up a Ten Commandments thing, which is really more Judaic than Christian. But you might get some Baptist group trying to say, hey, we want to put up a crutch around Christmas time or some of the famous Sermon of the Mount. Even, you know, Sermon on the Mount is pretty... You know, blessed be the cheesemakers, kind of nice stuff to say. So maybe a, a, a reproduction of the Sermon on the Mount text might be something that a Christian would try to have put up. Right. But they're not getting that. Yeah, right. And you would think that they would have learned from Florida's example, because American atheists just recently put up a bench with a bunch of atheist quotes on it, because they were allowed to, as per court rulings, because when they... When they petitioned and said, hey, we want to do this, of course, Florida went, no, 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 you can't do that, blah, 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 <laughs> got slapped down and everything else. You would think that Oklahoma 
would follow suit. Sadly, they just no. they just want to get their foot in the door everywhere that they can. Yes. So now another group is trying to get their foot in the well, door. Well, actually, there's two groups that are trying oh. to get their foot in the door. The first group that applied to put their monument up, other than this Ten Commandments, is the New York City-based Satanic Temple. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that, that's causing all sorts of interesting stuff. Okay, let's just admit this. People in Oklahoma are going apoplectic. Yeah, they are just much. shitting kittens <laughs> <laughs> over this because, according to them, this is Oklahoma's house. It's not a satanic club of New York. <laughs> um, it's also not a church. So it shouldn't be happening in the Except first place. Except that Church of Satan is. No, I, I meant the state capital is not supposed to be oh, a church. Oh, okay. And yet they're saying, no, but it should have this religious stuff. But when this other religion comes in and says, well, then we should be allowed here too. Right. And the quote from Representative Earl Sears, a re- Republican from Bartlesville, this is a faith-based nation and a faith-based state. I think it is very offensive they would contemplate or even have this kind of conversation. Yeah. So they don't even want to discuss it. They just want to immediately nix it. They think it's a joke. Yeah. And and peop- and thankfully, we have groups like the ACLU that are saying, no, 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 mm-hmm. you got to put up this monument. You open this door. Right. Because the, the, the interesting thing is this whole thing was started by Oklahoma Representative Mike Ritz, or Wrights, who was the one who authored that kind of religious freedom bill to get the Ten Commandments put up there. And he donated 10000 of his own money, plus raised another 10000 of private money from other people to put up this $20,000 um, Ten Commandments thing that apparently when they first put it up had misspellings in it. And this is supposed to be like the ultimate symbol of you must follow God's law, and they got it wrong. <laughs> right. You know, and I always wonder which version of the Ten Commandments yeah. they put up because uh, there's a couple of versions of it. Yeah. And so, but... Uh, like, it's twice in the Bible, but also the Catholics split their, it up differently. Right. Yeah. It's very confusing, actually, and I just really... It gives me a headache. The, the thing I've loved best about all the controversies over the Ten Commandments, people trying to put it up in state houses and schools and whatever, and the constant fight about this was, I think it was the Stephen Colbert interview, where he interviewed someone who was trying to make this happen, either a judge or a lawmaker, and Stephen Colbert just sat back and said, okay, what are the Ten Commandments? And And the guy couldn't, I I don't think he could think of one. I mean, maybe, maybe he was being on the spot about being interviewed, and he was just not used to having been asked that. But if it's so essential, so important that everybody know these, the person who wants it put up should probably know what it is. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm pretty sure that David Silverman knows every single Madeline Murray O'Hare quote that was up on the bench that they put up down right. in Florida. And if he asked on an impromptu thing, he could at least, you know, spew something out that says yeah. this. Um, there's at a great- least paraphrase. Yeah. There's a great quote from Lucian Greaves, the spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. He said, the whole point is that we are a religiously pluralistic society. So if there's going to be one, there will be others, or at least we'll make the effort for such. Or there will be neither. Those are the only options. Exactly. You know, which, awesome. Great job, guys. Wonderful. I mean, I personally love seeing 
stodgy people just go completely apoplectic when their plans don't go accordingly. They just don't realize the door that they've opened. Right. Um, but now that that has opened, another group is actually petitioning, which are the Hindus. The Hindus are asking for equal placement in the Oklahoma Capitol grounds. And this is, you know, they want to say that the Satanists are not a, a real religion. Right. Okay. Which is weird because they were, they supposedly worship Satan, which is whole part of the Christian religion. So are they saying that Satan doesn't exist? But right. anyway. Right. So you have the Hindus, which is a religion that is older than Christianity. And it's like number and, three or four in the like quantity of people who adhere to it. Right. And so now they're like, oh, you know, they're going apoplectic about this, yeah. of course. Um, but this is the part that I just really, I found this <laughs> funny. And I don't know why. I, I guess it's the anachronism here. Despite the, uh, so funny in addition to the fact that the satanic spokesman is Lucian Graves. Yes. It sounds very, I, I bet the guy changed his name to sound like Graves or something yeah. like that. But So, Rajan Zed, who is the president of the Universal Society of Hinduism, said, if the Oklahoma State Capitol was open to different monuments, we would love to have a statue of Lord Hanuman, I'm assuming Sounds right. Who was greatly revered and worshipped and known for his incredible strength and was a perfect grammarian. You think that's a, <laughs> a, a dig at the misspellings of the Ten Commandments? I'm not sh- You know, I think that it might be, <laughs> but I was all like... That's very odd to put that yeah, in there. Yeah, that that was you know, a thing. Great, yeah. so you would think, you know, great strength and compassion or great and, strength and intelligence and, yeah. or wisdom, but grammar. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's either a dig at the whole misspellings thing or there is just something about this branch of Hinduism about this Lord Hanuman, which I, I personally haven't heard of, but that's because I'm ignorant about Hinduism. So maybe there's just something about him. He was a great writer or something of text or something. Yeah. But it's, um, it's it's good to see that we on the secular side have so many ally have so many allies in a case like this where we can say, okay, you want you Christians want to do this thing? You think you own everything? Here, it's not just us atheists. We'll bring in the Hindus. We'll bring in the Satanists. We'll bring in the Scientologists, if they want to, if the Scientologists want to put up a thing of L. Ron Hubbard or Zenu or whatever, Zenu, yeah, then by all means go to Oklahoma, spend the money, yeah, and put it up. Or let's keep it neutral, have nobody there, and that's right. what it's supposed to be. Um, there is a quote from Hemet Meta, which I love. Um, if the commission votes yes on the proposal, conservatives will flip out. If they vote no, they're just inviting a lawsuit. This is beautiful. And he, it, it shows the dilemma that the conservative lawmakers are stuck in. Yes. They, they, they can't win on this. But, you know, I okay, reading this article again, I, I have to agree with you. I do think that it's a dig at the, the Oklahoma yeah. and, and their kind of history with monuments and everything else because hindu group also said that their planned statue would be big and weatherproof okay well i mean the the ten commandments thing is this basically a big slab of granite yeah but isn't the like the 
the the big Jesus one that keeps getting struck by lightning. Okay, and, yeah, that was like styrofoam or something you know, like that. Yeah, I just I I think that there's just this little bit of digging and going neener neener neener. You didn't think this maybe through. it it could it could very well be. You know, and just ah. Oh. Again, it shows, like I was saying a second ago, that the people who were put want to put up these monuments have very short-term thinking. Right. They're well, not uh, uh, thinking. They're not thinking the whole process through. They don't understand unintended consequences. Yeah. I want this, so I'm going to put it up there, but I'm not going to think about the other possibilities of what may happen if I do this. Right. No, no thinking it through process. It's yeah. it's it's like a little kid going. I want, I want, I want, I want to eat all my Halloween candy, but not thinking through of, you know what? If you eat that entire bag of Halloween candy, you're going to be so yeah. sick. And we, we keep seeing this over and over and over again. There was the the Santa Monica holiday displays that they said, well, they can't all be Christian, so we'll put it up for a fair auction for these 10 spots. And like seven of the 10 spots went to atheists or agnostics or secularists right, or something like that. The secularists flooded the application yeah. process to show that it's not fair. It should not be this way. Let's keep government government. And if you want to have a crush on your, in your front yard or in front of your church, by all means, right. that's what it's for. Exactly. Now I would understand like if it was the governor's mansion I could see a little bit of the, the it's crash still publicly and everything, owned property, but it's where he personally lives. Eh, it's, it's a gray to me, area. It's a, it's a gray area, but a courthouse yeah. is not a gray area. The courthouse is open to all. There are plenty of churches with plenty of land to put your yeah. monuments up on. The, yeah. There was a, there was a fun movement. I can't remember what the name of it is now, but I know we've talked about it on the show where they were saying, Oh, well, these atheists are trying to stop all our Ten Commandment monuments. So we're going to raise lots of money to, to, to put up Ten Commandment monuments on all the churches and all the nations. And atheists basically reacted, okay, go ahead. We don't care about you putting a Ten Commandments on your church. It's not getting it. It's not thinking it through and, and just plain silly because, like you said, this is people wanting to put it at courthouses and stuff like that trying to say that, well, our laws are based on Judeo-Christian, the Ten Commandments. Or if you look at the Ten Commandments, pretty much the only thing that we actually have in common law-wise is the don't murder people and don't steal stuff. The honor they father the mother, that's not anywhere in the Constitution or law that you have to honor your father and mother. The have no other God before me, that certainly ain't in the Constitution. There's that Kansas... Um, disaster recovery board that wants to say, you know, God is responsible for protecting our state and they want to pack up in the disaster recovery control center. But that's, that's not a law that uh, none of our laws are really based on that. They're based on so many other more recent things, more enlightened things. So it's just silly. And I, we rant because this keeps happening. Exactly. Um, but you know, it keeps happening, and you know if if we don't stand up to it and and try to get you know the fence sitters and and everything else and people who are religiously tolerant yeah 
on our side. Kind of apparently like the Pope. <laughs> Uh, who was just actually recently, today, as a matter of I fact. I think it was, yeah, today. Today, named Times Person of the Year, which is kind of a weird, strange yeah. honor, as as I was looking at, because it's not necessarily a person every year. I mean, the computer was, was listed as Machine of the Year in 1982, um, yeah, and it's certainly bizarre. not women-friendly. <laughs> yeah, there have been, like, three women on four there. women. Four women. Not four counting, women. Not counting the year they that they said like the American woman was the time person of the year, but there's been four women that were named specifically right by woman name. of the yeah. year, and then there was um, Melinda Gates was included in like the humanitarians one, and then in 2002 three women were specifically named because they were whistleblowers. Right. You know, and, and women work, you know, you can say, oh, well, in 2006, you were Times Person of the Year. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, I guess half of the world was. Yeah, it's it's weird that every few years, t- the time people just seem to kind of get lazy and just say this whole big group of people. And I just it's weird. I don't know what criteria they use because yeah. it seems on an election year, all you have to do is. The, the, be elected. Yeah, the only person who can be a time of the year person is someone who's elected on the year. So Barack Obama, George W. Bush, why he was ever person of the year. It, it's it, And it's like, well, based on what merit? George W. Bush is a schmuck. And he was uh, person of the year in 2004. I guess that's when he... He won again. Well, I think he was 2000. I think he was been twice. Yeah, 2000 when he got first elected, and then we realized just how much of a schmuck he was. Yeah. And he got person of the year again in 04. And, and okay, yeah, I'm being a little liberal here, bashing the schmuck of W. Bush, but it's like, well, what has he actually done? Yeah. To really merit being a person of the year besides... Any of these guys, even even Clinton and Obama, it's like, well, what did they do? And what? Why, so what did the it, – it's like, well, it's it's all fine and good that they're saying that the Pope is the person of the year. Well, why? He's he's saying a few things here or there that are a lot more liberal and is certainly pissing off the uber conservatives. Yes. But he hasn't done anything yet. He's still against women in the – in the clergy. In the priesthood. He's against, he's still against gays and gays marriage. He's just saying, hey, let's just not talk about it all the time, which is all fine and dandy. But does that necessarily make him deserving of saying, this is something, besides the fact that he's the stupid Pope, someone who should be put up on a pedestal as this is someone who represents 2013. Right. And I, I do know that time doesn't necessarily pick the humanitarian or the statesman of the year, they do pick basically, I guess the person who they feel has most influenced culture. Newsworthy. Newsworthy. Because, and we have to say this, this Pope has been rather newsworthy because it seems like every time we turn around, he makes a statement and the next day his handlers are going, that's not what he meant. (laughs) (laughs) He has been kind of, saying little things here or there that look like they're trying to change the direction or the emphasis of the church, but it's like trying to change the direction of a super tanker on the ocean. Right. Just a few little taps on the side of the ocean liner are not going to move this thing. 
that's been going in a straight line for 2,000 years. Well, I also don't think that the 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 clergy, the cardinals, expected him to be the way that he was. <laughs> they, I think they really were kind of hoping for uh, sort of a lame duck pope. You know, a guy yeah. that really wasn't going to do much and everything else. But this guy has turned around and he's kind of re-energized the look of the church because yeah. he's he's not doing the big fancy clothes and everything else. He's he's very conservative in his dress. He's very he is what you expect Catholics to be. He's, he is trying to actually be the humble part of a religious leader, which is refreshing. Yes. He's not going about in the Prada shoes and Roy- Rolls Royces and stuff right. like that. Right. And he like he doesn't have the Pope Mobile. He actually doesn't even live in his own apartment in the Vatican. He lives with the others. Right. And he is the guy who is going out and washing the feet of the poor people in, in Rome. I'm I applaud this. Yeah. I don't applaud the Catholic Church's stands on women and gays and everything else. But I applaud him as a man. A humanitarian. As a humanitarian, so. yes. It, it, yeah, it's it's a little bit of progress. Um, it, it was just, it's interesting comparing the Pope to the other people that were, apparently were on the top ten list. So yeah. let me just read this off really quickly. And you can find this online on Time's site. But Bashir Assad, the president of Syria, Syria newsworthy, newsworthy because of the whole civil war thing. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon? Which he's already won once. And what's so big this year about Amazon? Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, who basically (laughs) tried to blow up the U.S. economy a couple months ago. Miley Cyrus, who's okay, been in the news, but she hasn't really affected the world anyway. She hasn't affected the world, but she has had an effect of... Being in the news, but yeah. I don't know how much of that is just we're a 24 hour news era now. And, you know, the Pope gets a, a sneeze and yeah. it's reported and the whole world knows about it. 20 years ago, what happened in your backyard and major events across the world, earthquakes, major fires, sort of thing. You heard about those. If if the you know president of Paraguay was killed with a fork, <laughs> to quote Gross Point Blank, you heard about that, but right. you didn't hear about hey look this little British kid was kidnapped while vacationing in Portugal. You didn't right. hear about that stuff. So Miley Cyrus has kind of taken the whole twenty four hour news service and you know basically shown her ass to it, and the news is eating it up. I I know she's using the the culture that we have now of pop culture and Kardashianisms and stuff like that. But she's not the first person to do that. That's right. been around for a good 20 years, but to keep going on the list, we got people like president Obama, who's okay. He's done some stuff. That's fine. I mean, he's eh, whatever. Uh, Hassan Rouhani, which is the new president of Iran, who it's kind of weird. Like he's, He's only come into really full force of being someone who's newsworthy, especially the last month or so with this whole deal over the nuclear um, yeah. power of Iran. So he's kind of like a 2013 slash 2014 guy, maybe. Kathleen Sebelius, the first woman listed. Well, okay, sorry. Miley Cyrus 
is a woman, but she's acting like a little girl who doesn't understand how to be a woman. Anyway, right. my own little rant. The the she's the secretary of health and human services, so maybe the whole Obamacare thing. Yeah, that's why she's in there is because yeah. the Obamacare failure as it is right now. Yeah, with the website and everything else, she's been in the news quite a bit. But it's it's like a flash in the pan of just the month of October and November. We yeah. really haven't heard much of her for the whole year, which is why I can understand someone like the Pope even a little bit more, like Ted Cruz. He just he's only recently become big in the news in the last couple months, so it's kind of like kind of like how the the film industry um, back ends all of its Oscar worthy films towards the end of the year, so people still remember them once the Oscar voting comes around. Yep, it's like well, okay, Cruz and Sibelius are more recent newsworthy stuff, but what about they? What were they doing back in January? That's my point for them. Edward Snowden, NSA leaker. Very big in the news, did affect a lot of things because he's cha- his just leaking those secrets is having a huge effect on the American government. So eh, I can see him on the list. Yeah. Um, and then finally, e- Edith Windsor, who was the plaintiff in the Doma case. Right. And actually, she was who I wanted to see as Times Person of the Year, because I, I do believe that that the overturning of certain parts of Doma Mm-hmm. is going to affect our nation for years to come. Okay, I see that point. Cause when I and first it's thought- been going on for over a year. You know, mm-hmm. Yes, it was really big when, it, when the decision was made. Yeah. But this has been a court case that has been in the news steadily for several years. Prob- yeah, I think so. And yeah, I agree. It has a big effect on the nation. I was, I was originally thinking, well, it's kind of a small thing and... Yes, she won, and she had the courage to stand up. But um, I, I, I wouldn't be. I, sh- it, it, I was originally thinking it was too small of a story, but you're explaining like how it is going to change our government and how we treat gays, how we change laws to uh, you know tax code and all that to allow this, and start forcing it on the states to say, listen, you have to recognize gay marriage, even if you don't have it in Texas, that sort of thing. I, I will see that point in that her being steadfast in doing this lawsuit has allowed that. Yeah. But there, I mean, it'd be like the things like where I see more someone like, I don't know, Harvey Milk or something who's much more active as I am going to fight for gay rights back when he was still alive might have been more of a a person of the year kind of candidate because it's much more big presence where she's just a plaintiff and that's all fine and good, but. It wasn't her, just her alone. Right. It would, which is why it was kind of weird to me that she was mentioned. Among all these other like very famous CEOs and political people and pop culture figures, it, was, it seemed an anomaly to me, but you have con- convinced me otherwise. Well, you know, I mean, like I said, but you look at the Times Person of the Year, there are controversial picks. Uh and then there are picks that you just I, – I, I sit there and I go, really? <laughs> I, I, an example, in 1984, it was Peter Uberoth who mm-hmm. organized the Los Angeles Olympics. Okay. I just – I don't see that as being so – Big. Yeah, it's – 
the Olympics. It's a sporting event. Don't get me wrong. I, I like the Olympics. I will watch the Olympics. I will mm-hmm. watch Sochi. Right. Even though I have a fundamental issue with Russia, but I will watch it. Yeah. Uh, I just, that, I'm like, yay, you organized the Olympics. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple years ago, it was the um, people like the Occupy movement and the Tea Party movements, which seems to be like the opposite ends of things. But they said, okay, the protesters, these big protesting groups, they uh, not, I mean, the Occupy group has kind of faded and the Tea Party stuff is kind of losing some of its oomph. But they definitely affected American culture, which I think is most of what Times thing is really focused on, is mostly American culture. But they have changed how people see the world and are, are trying to move in the world to affect things. Yeah. But, yeah, some guy who does the Olympics, so what? <laughs> right. And it's like, I put on the best Super Bowl of the year. It's like, oh, who cares? You know, I do have to give them credit. In 1968, they had the Apollo 8 astronauts, yeah. which was a world-changing event. Oh, yeah. Um. What's interesting about coming back to this year is the negative reaction to the Pope being selected. For example, you have Glenn Beck, who says, he makes me a little concerned on his Marxist tendencies. When you're not unprepared for Marx, Marxism, Marxism starts to creep into your language. When you're asked questions by people, you start to say, look, I don't want to hurt you. I just think that risk redistribution of wealth isn't so bad. He's really kind of, I mean, he was pushing like, no, it should have been Ted Cruz because, you know, they, he was saying that they didn't want to pick someone like Ted Cruz because they didn't want to give him more power. And by example, to prove this, he said, well, they made Hitler and Mussolini Man of the Year, and you saw what happened when they gave them that sort of power. First of all, Mussolini was never a person of the year. I, Hitler was, Hitler, but Hitler Mussolini... Was. Okay. And it's not... Okay, hold on. Time's person of the year has no... Well, uh, it has no power, but if you think of it this way... The award doesn't. If you think of it this way, if Ted Cruz was named Person of the Year, he'd be a much more high-profile candidate for president in 2016. Because yeah. he would just be more in the vernacular of people's minds of thinking of him over and over again. So according to people like Glenn Beck, it was a conspiracy to try to keep him down because all the people in Time Magazine are Marxist and... Basically, it's a conspiracy because progressives are fascists. That's the quote. Progressives are fascists, according to Glenn Beck. And then if you go to the time.com article where they they're one of the ones where they list that Pope Francis is the choice for the 2013 person of the year. There are some weird comments on there. This man who assumes the name Francis is not a servant of God. He is an imposter and, in fact, a representative of Satan himself. Going back to the uh, the Satanic monument in Oklahoma before. Woe to you, as truth be told, vengeance come in sevenfold. That's from The Piercer. 
And there's just a lot of people on here. You could tell that they came right here from listening to Glenn Beck. Yeah. Because they're talking about, he's a socialist, Marxist, commie, pinko, anti-American. Sure, and while you give him the Nobel Peace Prize and the Heisman Trophy, too. And just, wow. just and, And you do see a lot of kind of Catholic versus other Christians saying that Catholics are the wrong kind of Christians and they're of Satan kind of stuff. But you also do see some... Kind of people saying, you know, you you can tell people who are the skeptics on here because they're calling out things like um, ad hominem attacks and hyperboles, and they're using our buzzwords as well. Yeah. Um, but you definitely see some atheists on here saying, you know, well, okay, you're saying that he's of Satan, but, you know, how do you prove Satan exists? You can't prove God exists, so, you know, calm yourself down, that sort of stuff. So, I mean... In general, usually if you read the comments, you don't believe in the value of humanity in general. You just want to go and crawl into a corner and cry. If you can take this with the right grain of salt, it's an amazing look at just how people are going apeshit over Pope Francis being chosen in the first place because he's Catholic. Yeah. And hes it's not like he's the first pope to, to be chosen. Yeah. I, I mean, so, I think the last, I, I don't think Benedict was ever chosen, but the last couple before him, Pope John Paul and Paul yeah. the 239th, whichever so. one was the early 20th century guy, um, a couple of them have been um, chosen. And, you know, you have things like Pope John Paul II, who, as much as I disagree with a lot that he did and said, he was definitely a big figure in world news and politics and how he's changed how the world swayed but that's after he had been pope for a while right francis this is like his first year in it's his first year in it's it's like when obama got the peace prize just for not being george w bush right um and i i completely agree with you i think that people are seeing pope francis trying to change the church from within and make it more of what the church is supposed to be more modern, (laughs) (laughs) more modern. Um, I, you know, when he became Pope, I mean, we had a large, long discussion about it. We keep talking about him because he keeps doing these things. Yeah. You know, he keeps saying these things like, you know, Hey, atheists would be welcome in heaven. And then his handlers go, that's not what he really said. (laughs) Hey, let's not hammer on the gays all the time. Well, watch your wording there, Francis. (laughs) You know, um, I, I just think that it's it's interesting, but he is somebody who has been in the news throughout the year. Yeah. He has made a mark on the world in a very short time. So I don't necessarily disagree with time putting him as, as person of the year. Um, I think for actually the biggest mark of this year, it was Snowden. I think yeah. he was the one that, that truly made a, a large... You know, da 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 da. I think it would. I think that would have been a more difficult um, choice for time to take politically, because of the whole like he's giving away state secrets. I I, I mean I don't know. There, I mean, supposed to be time as neutral journalists and all that, but you know, may, maybe just enough people said no. Let's just go with the Pope instead in their voting committee or however the hell they decide it. That they said, okay, let's just go with the safer choice. Right. And so, um, but once again, time is not exactly 
doesn't exactly skirt the controversy. Yeah. I mean, they had Khomeini as person of the year. <laughs> They've had Hitler as person of the year. Yeah. What what year was Hitler? Was it while everything was going on? Uh, Hitler was named Times Man of the Year in 1938, followed by Joseph Stalin, and the next year was Winston Churchill, and followed by Roosevelt, Belt and back to Stalin. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, all that around World War II, yeah, definitely, I mean, all those people we just mentioned were the big figures in World War II, and it's, it's, Hitler definitely had a big effect on the world, but yeah. more after 38. It's kind of like, with, not to compare the Pope Francis to the Hitler, because I got called out once already today on saying something about the Pope and Hitler. Um, in the no, same... In the, no, it was, we'll get to that later. Um, Hitler and Francis have both had large effects on the world. But both of them, I think, were mentioned before they really had a big effect. I think with no. Pope Francis, it'd be more like, let's see what he do does over the next few years and how he really reacts to the uber-conservatives on the Catholic side. If there's some big schism in the Catholic Church, just like the, um, you know, the, the Reformation and, like, more recently, the Church of England splitting over having female bishops and allowing gays and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be interesting to see what will happen. It just seems a little premature with Pope Franny. Yeah, but that seems to kind of be their little modus of operandi because they they tend to pick a big world leader their first year in mm -hmm. so that's true when when someone is newly elected president or yeah or starting to make some noise you know like hitler is a prime example hitler was really starting up his his war yeah. of terror you know um so it'll be interesting. Yeah. And and you, you think definitely during the 40s, everybody involved with World War II, the big generals, the big politicians, you don't don't doubt that. You know, Kennedy, because he was a big transitional, you know, the popes and all them. I just really wish looking at this list, in addition to wishing that they, you know, realize that, you know, half, at least half of the population of the world are women. So we might want to think about women who really have been affecting the world and more and more and more nowadays. But I, I, I wish there were more coming back to the whole science and skeptical thing. I wish there were more scientists on this list. Yeah. I wish that there were more scientists, more people of color, oh, more yeah, definitely. women, more gay, more, you know, ugh. more diversity. I mean, it, it yeah, seems yeah. like their top 10 list was, Eh, kind of diverse. I mean, pr I mean, with the exception of, I mean, there were a couple different ethnicities in there from Middle East, and you got Obama of mixed heritage, a lot of mm -hmm. white people. Well, you have said Ted Cruz, who's, who's uh, yeah, Hispanic. Latino and all that, but um, yeah, a lot of guys with a couple women. So there's some progress there, but I, it's it's. It's one of those things where women are really are affecting the world, and you'd think someone would notice that yes. at time nowadays. Um, and so to kind of wrap up uh, the show, um, did Nelson Mandela ever be named Person of the Year? 
Yes, actually, in 1993, he okay. was ele- he was named specifically Person of the Year as part of the Peacemakers. So not by with himself. With Yasser Arafat, okay. Declerc, Yitzhak Rabin. So he was kind of a in a a jumble or a, right. a group. It was a group award. Is that when like the that's when the Oslo Accord was? Yeah, the I Palestinian mean, Authority. It didn't work as well as we hoped, but it was a positive step. And it's about the time when apartheid was really going away. Right. And it was a couple of years after he was released from prison. Right. And so, um, but yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, as we learned this week, Nelson Mandela passed away, apparently quite peacefully. Yeah. I mean, he's been sick for, for a couple a of years. A couple of years. And he, he was up there in age. He was 95 years old. Yeah. Um, he is still probably always going to be considered one of the greatest statesmen mm-hmm. the world has ever known. And and I think definitely worthy of um, accolade because he was treated like shit for many, many years. Yeah. He got out of prison and he be- was the better man. Yes. He did not say, okay, I'm going to lead this revolution and, you know swaths of blood will follow wherever I go because I'm going to get back at the people I did. Right. That he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be the leader I should be and, and that other people should have been how people treated me. I He did the golden rule. Right. He treated and people he what, the way he wanted them to be I treated. think the, the quote is, and I know that I'm going to be misquoting this and I apologize now, is basically that if he were to exact revenge for the years that he spent in prison and living under apartheid and and basic subjugation mm-hmm. that if he came back and basically went the complete opposite and was all like well you know we're going to leave this country now and and it's going to be you know this reversal of power he's like i would still be in prison i would mm-hmm. be in a prison of my own mind and yes. that's that's he was he truly did reach out and say okay we now have to work together to fix this yeah and and that's why you know I I have I have been um, maybe rightly joked about on this show about saying they lived a long and fruitful life, um, but he really did. He made a big change and became a very good positive force in the world, and that's why I am very glad to hear that all of the the ceremonies around his passing have been celebrations. Yeah. Celebrating this man's life that, yes, he has done a lot of good and he was getting sick. We knew he was going to pass away and we're going to celebrate him because he did good, right. not just mourn him. Because you hear some of the news reports, there's, say, they, they seem surprised that people are like dancing in the streets and singing songs. Well, they're singing songs about like the apartheid era songs of freedom and let's, let's, have a better life that he was fighting for, but also they're just saying he was a good man. Yay. And, yeah. and I like that better as just the humanist that I am of saying, let's celebrate someone's life rather than just mourn it. Yeah. Um, and he really did, you know, like we discussed last week, the, you know, the, the phenomenal response that, uh, Paul Walker's death had on the world, <laughs> you know, and we did make the comment that, 
you know, Paul Walker is an actor. Yes, he did a lot of humanitarian work. Yeah, we were corrected quietly. on the website of yeah, he has he did a lot of um, basically charitable work and did it very quietly. Out. Yeah. And you know what? I honestly I applaud that. That's all fine and good. That is but that is great and wonderful. Not to not me, the overreaction he got. Yeah, I don't understand the overreaction that he got because I mean I know that my feed my Facebook feed is filled with lots of actors <laughs> and everything else. It to me there was seemed to almost be a disproportionate response, mm-hmm. you know, an inverse operation here yeah. of Paul Walker's death versus Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela's, even though I knew it was coming, struck me very personally because of the fact that he had done so much, not just for his country, but for the world. He really did change minds. Um, And that is not to say that I am, I'm not sad for Paul Walker's family. We've already had this discussion. I am, I'm very sorry for them. But I, I, to me, it is one of those, a light, a candle really did go out in the world. Mm-hmm. And that we need to continue his work yeah. to to make the world a better place. Yeah, some of the news coverage over Nanda- Nandala. Fuck. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Sorry. Some of the news coverage over Mandela's death and the, the, the ceremonies around it has been good in that they're saying you know how has he inspired you you know what will you remember most about him that's what you really want to talk about there's been some weird stuff as well like there was some bbc coverage of the funeral procession that was going to bring his body to where it was laying in state and for some reason the the processional was moving faster than than they'd expected yeah and it was just the journalist was harping on how does the fact that you know, you didn't expect it to happen this soon. The processional, you know, doesn't that bother you? It's like, and and the person kept harping on, you know, doesn't it bother you that they moved faster, that they arrived earlier than you thought? And that's not really the big point. But at least, at least most of the coverage has been really about how this man has affected the world. Yeah. And I, I still, I, I find it, Hilarious, because once again, somebody has gone apoplectic. Um, the Tea Party. So, like, Newt Gingrich, Ted Cruz, put out these statements that okay. said, you know, a great light has has quit shining, you know, Nelson Mandela, blah, 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 yay, da-da-da-da. And I'm telling you, there are people that are like, how dare you say that he was, he'd gone to jail for, for you know, Raising up a mob against, you know, the government and all of this. And I'm just like, really? Wow. You are, okay. The Tea Party, which actively actively advocates for this uprising because the government is unjust. So that, oh, when Nelson Mandela recommends it in, (laughs) in South Africa, well, that's just, just not possible, and we shouldn't be celebrating a terrorist. Ugh. You you half expect them to use the word uppity in there somewhere. Yes. <laughs> um, wow, that's scary. Like an example is Newt Gingrich released a statement today saying that he is surprised at the hostility and vehemence that some conservatives 
have in reaction to a statement that he made regarding Nelson Mandela. And the statement basically says, I, you know, I issued a heartfelt personal statement about the passing of Nelson Mandela. I said that his family and his country would be in my prayer, my prayers and Callista's prayers. Nice general statement. Not really that controversial. You know, but he said, I was surprised at the hostility and vehemence of some of the people who reacted to me saying a kind word about a unique historic figure. So let me say to those conservatives who don't want to honor Mandela, what would you have done? I actually am applauding Newt Gingrich for basically standing up to these guys. But Ted Cruz, who I am diametrically opposed to, I, I, I feel a cough coming on every time I say his name. You think his middle name is Palpatine. Go ahead. Right. And he was another one that had this same response of, you know, you know, he said, you know, we lost a statesman and, and people are like, how can you honor a terrorist is basically what certain sections Uh of the tea party are saying. And I'm just like, the, the thing is that a lot of the more conservative politicians are spend a lot of their time riling up a certain segment of the community, the cultural conservatives, the social conservatives, the religious conservatives into a froth over anything that is not authoritarian and is not uber Christian or whatever. And when someone has to really kind of be a human and not just a politician. Right. And maybe people like Cruz and Gingrich went over their statements with some writers, and that's fine. That's something you do. But they it wasn't just neutral. It was positive about Mandela. Right. And, you know, he had, I mean, he's gotten the whole Mandela was a commie murderer, which, you know, you kind yeah. of expect to see that. Which is the same stuff you're getting about Pope John Paul being person of the year. My, my personal <laughs> favorite was, come on, Newt, he was a communist and a murderer, Similar to our current, like the little tiny berry uh-huh. president, not current. But or was it a mixture of current and the Koran? Something like that. <laughs> you know, but I mean, people have, like I said, gone absolutely apoplectic yeah. about the fact that he had to say something kind about a leader of another country yeah. who passed away. Yeah. Well, these are the same people who who have also gone a little apeshit over the fact that Obama took a selfie. Yeah. And and I, the way I looked at it is, okay, may, uh, first of all, this was a big memorial service. This was not a stately, solemn funeral. This was a service where everybody was talking and cheering about Mandela. Yes. So it was a festive mood. It's not a problem to say I'm going to take a picture with I think it was I think it was the prime minister of England and I think someone from the Netherlands or something like that. And the way I looked at it is that someone at Obama's level doesn't get to talk to someone of his same level very often. So it's like getting together with the club when they're either the big economic summits or a major state funeral or whatever to say Hey, you understand the problems that I go through. I don't have to be, you know, the the big boss over you. So it's it's a time where he can actually relax and say these are people who understand what I go through and at the same time, let's celebrate this great man. Yeah. And and remember this moment of we were together to celebrate someone with a picture. Yeah. It's 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 not like 
it's not like Obama was making any crazy statements in his speech. Um, like what may have been interpreted for him. Yeah. So um, I, I didn't miss this. I had a really busy day. So yeah. I heard about this in passing. Apparently there was some sort of controversy. Yes. With the so, so I'm, I'm gonna, sign language interpreter. Yeah. I'm going to read a little quote here. Um, this apparently, I got this from a friend of mine, Victor Harris, who I think was uh, spoke at the Reason Rally, who got it from a friend of his, Eric Parsons. I don't know if it's a joke or direct translation, but this is essentially what the kind of problem was. The quote is, Nelson Mandela was a tremendous parking brake that took out the trash on Christmas using a, a jar of peaches and inspiration for the Eagle Future chicken sandwich. That's essentially what was going on because the interpreter who was doing the sign language was not using standard sign language. Like there are standard sign language symbols, not just spelling out the name for Nelson Mandela and a couple of the other leaders in South Africa. And obviously this is not American sign language. This is probably African or European sign language or something like that. Sign language is not international. It's not universal. Exactly. There are dialects and there are different forms. But there is like official training for sign language in South Africa. So as this guy was signing and not using the same, the words that people were expecting him to use. And also apparently in African, South African sign language, the expression on on your face is supposed to be part of what you're doing to convey the message. And he was just flat faced apparently. So he could have been sign languaging purple monkey dishwasher the whole time. And the hearing community would have no idea what was going on. Right. But as soon as, almost almost as soon as this guy got up on stage, you had people tweeting and complaining from the deaf community saying, get that guy off the stage. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm. It's, it's, it's one of those things where apparently this guy had been used for smaller events in the past and nobody just caught it. And that shows a really piss poor planning. (laughs) On the part of of this government of of what's going on on a major stage, you'd think you'd check someone who's, you know, two feet from President Obama that he knows what the hell he's talking about and he's qualified to do what he's doing. Exactly. It's like they pick some guy off from the street to do sign language interpretation. So I was saying earlier where I accidentally compared Hitler to some great uh, figure. In, In this case, it was that I put out on Facebook today that what I really want to happen is, you know, there's that great meme where from the film downfall, the rant that Hitler does in the bunker that people will create new subtitles. Yes. Like I love that. He reacts to like the new hunger games movie. You're to Rick Perry's latest dumbassery or something like that. I want people to read resubtitle the guy who is doing the same language for whatever, Obama was saying, or any of the other leaders, you know, just, it's kind of like those bad lip reading videos on YouTube. I love those. Of just, I just want him to be, you know, saying, you know, I am, here's my grocery list or, or, or something like that. So it was almost a Godwin in that it was involving Hitler, but, um, I, it's, it's not purely skeptical. The whole like sign language interpreter wasn't there, but it's more of, Hey, let's think these things through before we're on an international stage 
for a huge memorial service for a guy who's going to be remembered throughout time. And okay, yeah, the selfie thing was a little unfortunate, maybe not fully appropriate for a funeral or something. But yeah, getting someone up on stage who is not signing the right thing, that's just stupid. So that's the skeptical side of that one. But I guess that's all a bit ranty about the whole thing. Not that I ever rant in any other case, because I am perfectly eloquent and stay completely on topic. So on topic, why don't we figure out what we learned today? So this is what we learned tonight. We learned that Greg had a skeptical intervention at work. Donna is no longer the Susan Lucci of San Antonio film. (laughs) And Gary is being all studious and responsible. Way to go. Hmm. Robert Cock, Coach Cock, whatever his name is, was a great scientist and changed how we think about disease, but we at the Skeptic Wire still don't know how exactly to pronounce his name. (laughs) Sunday, 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 Oklahoma State Capitol Grounds, Satanists in one corner, Hindus in the other. Who will win the giant belt of religious expression? Isn't there a third corner with all the Christian fundamentalists? They're the guys that are actually ringing the bell and deciding who gets to win. Okay. The Pope is Time's Person of the Year. Why? Not really sure. Still waiting to see what he does. But hey, it's not (laughs) like any of our presidents get that prestigious honor for just being elected. (laughs) And finally, Nelson Mandela has passed away. A great statesman who may have had the greatest practical joke ever with the appointment of his funeral sign language interpreter. Well played, (laughs) sir. Well played. So kind of an Andy Kaufman (laughs) kind of joke on the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's about it yeah. for tonight. Um, you can, we really appreciate it when we get a listener response. I'm really proud of myself. I'm actively working on saying listener instead of viewer. They can look at our picture on the Facebook page and view us that way. Yes. Kind of. Kind of. But we love listener response. Yeah. Um, you can, you know, tag us on Facebook at the Skeptic Wire podcast you can send us a tweet. You can email us. Um, you could probably carry your pigeon us, but that yeah. might not get to us for it a while. It might be Just... easier to like Google and stalk us yes. that way. Um, but we're going to wrap it up tonight. And next week we should have Gary back. Yeah. So... And, and that'll be our last show before um, Festivus. So right. that might be our big kind of Festivus Saturnalia Extravaganza. War on Christmas era. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you for joining me this week, Donna, and not Gary. And thank you for joining me, Greg, and not Gary. Bye bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. We wave. Have you noticed that we actually waved? To we each waved other? to let each other know of okay, this is we're just gonna say goodbye. Yeah. We're giving hand signals to each other because we're professionals. Yeah, we're pro something. Yeah. So that's one of the big reasons why uh, Robert Cock. Damn it, fucking well. <laughs> Damn, I got.
through so much of that fucking story. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's it was fine. just your reaction. I know, I know. <laughs> oh boy. So that's where I wrote. <laughs> <laughs>